Welcome to Highland Objects, podcasts that take you on a cultural tour of the Highlands and Islands of Scotland. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Highland Objects or visit the website highlandobjects.wordpress.com. Podcast 11, the Rosemarkey Pictish Cross Slab. Jill Harden and Alistair Morton volunteer at Grome House Museum in Rosemarkey on the Black Isle. This is their celebration of the surprisingly refined Pictish cross slab that now stands as the centrepiece of the museum. Today's location, inside a late 18th century building, is less than 100 metres from where it used to stand, outside, close to the church in the centre of the village. It really is fundamental to Rosemarkey's distinctive history. I'm standing in front of a tall, slim slab of red sandstone at Grome House Museum. The stone towers above me. It's almost three metres high, and yet it's only 65 to 70 centimetres across. My eyes are drawn upwards to the focal point of the slab, a small, plain, equal-armed cross. It's been carved so that it stands out from the surrounding stone. I'm looking up at the most important symbol of the Christian faith, and yet it's so small, so plain. In fact, almost everyone would have to look up to the cross. It's over two metres above the ground. Maybe it was this viewpoint, the upward contemplation of the cross, that was behind this part of the design of the sculpted slab. Perhaps the size of the cross is purposefully small and plain to focus the mind and thereby aid concentration on the cross, on Christ and on his message of salvation. Letting my eyes wander, I see that all of the rest of the slab is densely covered in shallow, repetitive, interlaced patterns. In places, they're almost impossible to decipher. Does this area, immediately in front of me, have a frame of interlaced, elongated animals of some type? Probably. And they seem to be defining a panel of intertwining forms, so worn by time that the detail would need modern technology to bring it alive. I look again and realise that a large area of complex interlaced knotwork sits above the framed panel surrounding the plain cross. The knotwork defines and fills a repetitive sequence of circles. It's all so measured and refined. I wonder who decided to have the cross slab made. Documentary sources note that there was a bishop, Curitan, at Rosemarkey in the late 600s AD. There is no reason to think that such a significant Christian centre would not have continued into the 700s and beyond, probably until it was moved to Channonry, now known as Fortros, in the early 1200s. Such a centre would have needed liturgical vessels, cross slabs, sarcophagi, saintly relics, fine metalwork and illuminated manuscripts. So, can we presume that the client for our sculpted slab was the bishop associated with the early Christian monastery or church here at Rosemarkey? Maybe. Or was the stone donated by his powerful sponsor, the king of these northern lands of Fortriu? This actually seems more likely. And if the king commissioned this sculpted stone for his bishop, is there any clue as to what they were wanting the sculptor to create? What was the intention of the imagery on the stone? The designs that I'm looking at remind me of the so-called carpet pages from illuminated manuscripts like the Lindisfarne Gospels or the Book of Kells. These two handmade books 
one created in the early monastery of Lindisfarne, the other at Iona, date to the first half of the 8th century, sometime between 700 and 760 AD. Their pages celebrate the word of God through life, death and resurrection. Might the inspiration for our cross slab have come from an illuminated manuscript? Perhaps one held at Rosemarkey? Well, why not? Carpet pages are very distinctive. They are entirely covered with interlaced and geometric forms around and within the focus of the Christian cross. They are masterpieces of design. So colourful, so detailed in minuscule form and so evocative of the all-encompassing power of Christianity. The style of design, known as insular art and the 8th century date, fit well with our stone. Nevertheless, the decision to create an illuminated page in stone would have been both an amazing imaginative leap and an incredible statement of belief. And designing and sculpting such a page in stone, rather than on vellum, was also a considerable challenge. The final piece has to be a different shape, four to one rather than one and a quarter to one. It's at a much larger scale, and it's in three dimensions. The result is amazing. The size of the sculpted stone enables more than one person at a time to interact with it, to contemplate on and around the cross of Christ. It's so much easier to see than a page in a gospel book. And if the slab was as vibrantly coloured as a manuscript, you can imagine the stunning result, even if the pigments did have to be renewed regularly. I've no doubt that there are more details that others could interpret. But what are the rest of this tall, slim stone? Walking round to the other side is a revelation. The full width of the upper half of the slab is taken up by a panel containing four amazing sculpted Pictish symbols. There are three crescent and V-rods and a double disc and Z-rod, each highly developed artistically. They really are stunning. Two intensely decorated pairs of large sculpted symbols in a single panel. Craning my neck towards the top of the slab, there's a really intricate design between the upper pair of crescent and V-rod symbols. I really need a ladder to pick out the detail. On either side of the base of the V-rod, there's what looks like a four-legged animal, with a complicated interlaced pattern above its back. Studying it more closely, I think I can understand it. The mass of interlace is the animal's very long tail. There, below it, is the animal's thin, elongated body and neck, and now I can see its head. It has turned back and down on itself so that it can bite its rear leg. Now that I know what I'm seeing, I can place this design. I've seen it used on fine metalwork and brooches. It's such a classic element of insular art, developed by Pictish, Irish and Anglo-Saxon craftsmen. And this example, sculpted in stone, is so exquisite. Perhaps the link to metalwork is also reflected in the design of the lower half of the slab, an area which is yet another surprise. Thinking about other Pictish cross slabs across the country, including those more locally at Nig or Hulton of Cadbol, I would have expected to see a variety of designs below the symbols. But Rismarck's slab is quite different. There's no Pictish hunting scene, no stately riders on horseback, nothing from the Old or New Testaments, no angels or fantastic beasts. Instead, there's a large area of dense key pattern around and below a small cross, all of which seems to take its inspiration from metalwork. The cross is set within a square, just like that on the other side, but the cross itself has a very different equal-armed shape. 
and the square surrounding it is filled with fine interlace. It also isn't set high on the slab. I'm not looking up at it. In fact, I can easily reach out and touch it. I wonder why. Isabel Henderson, the renowned Pictish art expert, suggested some time ago that this particular style of cross resembles contemporary metalwork examples or precious metal plaques on reliquary boxes. These were intended to be touched. Is there a similar principle of touch being offered here? And if so, does it speak of the fundamental reason for this cross slab, as hinted at in the design of the other side? Was it produced for Rosmarki's religious establishment, with a single audience in mind, monks and priests, abbot and bishop? Is that why there are crosses on both sides? A most unusual feature. Perhaps this cross slab wasn't produced for all to see, which is how we usually interpret the other stones. Maybe it was originally erected inside the church, or, perhaps more likely, outside, but within the sacred space, only accessible to those at the heart of the monastery. There's so much more to say about this magnificent stone. It's so unlike any of the other 50 or so Pictish cross slabs found across Scotland. They have imagery of biblical tales, interpretations of hell or damnation, and representations of secular lords or monks as well as a single, large, decorated Christian cross. You can see these details clearly on stones near here on the Tarbot Peninsula. The pictures on all of these stones tell stories. They would have been used to help ordinary people relate to Christianity. But the Rosmarki slab is altogether different. It's worth coming to see for yourself, and to find out about the other Pictish sculpture that has been found at Rosmarki, a major centre for Christianity in early medieval times. Highland Objects is brought to you by Expo North Heritage, which is supported by Museums and Heritage Highland, Museums Gallery Scotland, Creative Scotland, Highlands and Islands Enterprise and Historic Environment Scotland. <laughs>